0: Hello, and welcome to Soul Science with Namaste Carly. Today, I thought it would be good to start our very first full episode talking about diet and nutrition and its importance in overall well-being. I thought it would be best to start this podcast off on a physical level because it's the most tangible for people. It's something that you can more easily understand than some of our later topics, including mindfulness, meditation, and that type of thing, energy work. Um, It also is something that you can experience results relatively quickly with, and you can also see the benefit, whether it be with weight loss or muscle gain or increase in energy, that type of thing. Um, It's just the easiest for people to understand comprehend and implement in their wellness journeys as well so obviously this is a very broad topic that we will be covering over multiple episodes with emphasis on different areas but today specifically we will will be going over the standard american diet or sad which is an accurate acronym in my opinion sad so i apologize in advance if you hear me shuffling through some papers I have notes to try and keep myself on track, as well as some numbers and statistics that I just could not remember off the top of my head. So, thank you for your patience in that regard. As I have stated previously, wellness is a very complex and multifaceted concept that requires a holistic approach, meaning looking at the whole body and how each individual component interacts with one another. Typically, holistic healing is achieved through lifestyle, meaning the things that you do day in and day out. A lot of media and press stress the importance of being active, making sure that you are getting enough exercise, moving your body, hitting the gym, that type of thing. And while it is important, if you stop and think about it, diet, what you are eating, plays a much bigger role in the overall picture. To give you an idea, it is typically recommended that you exercise five days a week for at least 30 minutes at minimum. If you do exercise more than that or spend more time exercising, that's great, but that's really the bare minimum to be considered healthy. Diet, on the other hand, is an essential part of every single day. 365 days a year, and typically at least three times a day on average. As I often tell my clients, every time you go to eat something, you're either fueling your body for optimum nutrition or you're feeding inflammation and disease. And while that might sound extreme, it's kind of true. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to spend the rest of your days living strictly off of kale salads, for, um, but it does mean that you are ultimately in control of your health and well being, which can kind of be a scary thought for some. I think as a society, we put a lot of power in doctors and modern medicine for how we're feeling, um, when in reality, The choices we make on our plate uh, play a very large role in how we're feeling and our overall health. So another example would be if your goal is something like weight loss, typically 80% of your activity is actually food or diet dependent, whereas only 20% is movement or exercise dependent. I've also heard something like 90% diet, 10% exercise, but you get the point. Basically, it doesn't matter how much you're moving your body if you're eating more calories than you are burning. As they say, abs are made in the kitchen. Basically, what I'm attempting to illustrate is the importance of diet and nutrition for your overall well being. Diet is a much bigger player than a lot of people give it credit for. But what does that mean for what you're actually eating? Well, there are a lot of ways that you can optimize your nutrition and can personalize it based on your preferences. But for today, we're just looking at what is recommended by the US government and what the average American typically consumes. The dietary guidelines in the US are reevaluated every five years. And the current guidelines were established for 2015 to 2020. So they're good at least to the end of this year. According to the FDA or the Food and Drug Administration, about half of all American adults have one or more preventable chronic illnesses, many of which are related to poor diet and physical inactivity. More than two thirds of adults and one third of children in the US are overweight or obese. Those numbers are incredibly high and you don't typically see that these problems in other industrialized nations. So what does that say about what's going on in America, right? Trends in food intake show that Americans at a population level are not demonstrating healthy eating patterns, which is exemplified by the prevalence of disease. The new guidelines do recognize the importance of daily choices and emphasize that healthier living is a lifestyle. They want you to focus on variety, nutrient density, and portion sizes. Also limiting calories, added sugar, saturated fats, and sodium. All of those things are great. Those are actually typically what I recommend to my clients as well for anybody who's just trying to eat healthier or get started. They encourage people to choose healthier food and beverage options, which seems obvious to me, Um, and they recognize the importance of community in achieving healthier eating patterns on a grander scale. All of those things are good. It is always easier to eat better or start eating better when your family and friends are also on board. And a lot of your dietary habits are actually influenced by things like family society, culture, and environment. The guidelines suggest that a healthy eating pattern includes first and foremost a variety of vegetables, fruits that are whole fruits, grains of which at least half are whole grains, a variety of protein foods um, and oils, meaning fats. To look at some of the numbers for your average 2,000 daily calorie diet for adults, you should be eating per day 2.5 cups of vegetables, 2 cups of fruits, 6 ounces of grains, and about 3 cups of dairy, which they specify as fat-free or low-fat, and notably that includes soy milk, but does not include other plant milks. You should be eating about 5.5 ounces of protein and 27 grams of or about five teaspoons of oils or fats. So what does that mean? (laughs) What are Americans actually eating? So unfortunately, the numbers are not very great. It's also not very surprising, but basically three fourths of the population is low on fruits, vegetables, dairy, and oils. That's low on four out of six of the recommendations. Also, more than half of the population meets or exceeds the grain and protein foods but are not meeting the recommended subgroups within each of those food groups. So basically, that means we're eating a lot of grains or carbs and proteins such as meats, but we're not getting a lot of variety into our diets. And most Americans far exceed the recommendations for added sugars, saturated fats, and sodiums sodiums. I mean sodium. Um, Basically, that's also pretty obvious when you consider how much processed food is consumed by Americans on the regular. We're also very fond of our fast foods and convenience items, which are uh, not very nutritionally beneficial, which also leads to the fact that all of these um, eating patterns are actually too high in calories so we're not getting enough fruits and vegetables, we're eating too much protein and grains, and somehow we're also getting too many calories. So when you stop and think about what the typical American meal looks like, it's not actually that surprising. We are a fast food nation, as I said before, and quick and convenient processed foods typically reign supreme. An entree has protein as the main focus, usually, followed closely by grains or carbs like rice, bread, or pasta. And typically dairy is involved in the form of cheese in an excess amount. And if any vegetables are present, they're added for flavor or viewed as a side dish. Sometimes they're only decoration and not even eaten. Um, I've actually spent a lot of time waitressing on weekends while I was in college and I got to see firsthand like how bad and how prevalent these types of eating patterns are. So something like a dish that was like a sandwich that had, you know, like lettuce, tomato, onion, meat, cheese, whatever, all of that typical stuff you'd find in a sandwich. A lot of times people just get the bread, meat, and cheese, and completely take out the little bit of vegetable that is present in what would be considered a regular meal, and I guess the only vegetable that most Americans consume is um, potatoes in the form of french fries, which they actually do consider a vegetable serving, which is pretty sad in my opinion, but again, it is sad, the standard American diet. In other industrialized nations, the opposite actually occurs. More emphasis is placed on plants and the protein is added for flavor. And oftentimes dairy doesn't even make an appearance, especially in Asian cuisines and that type of thing. So it's no wonder that the incidence of disease is also much lower in other countries as well. So after looking up all this information, which you can find in more detail on health.gov. It's actually a very nice website with a lot of very readable material and a lot of tips and tricks if you're trying to eat healthier or get started on your health journey. The government completely recognizes the problem of chronic illness in America and the relationship diet plays in it. And it also acknowledges the need for better education around the subject. With that said, Where then is the disconnect? In my opinion, it's a political answer. Companies and interests like Big Pharma are really not interested in your health and well-being. They profit off of the desire for quick and convenient options and things like chronic illnesses. As do the large industrialized industries like meat and dairy. So where does this leave you? What can you do about it? Well, hopefully you're more aware of the actual amounts of food and different foods you should be eating. If you have a hard time visualizing the numbers I spewed, just understand that you are more than likely eating too much protein and a lot of carbs, maybe even empty carbs in the form of processed grains or things like alcohol. Whereas fruits and vegetables are concerned, more than likely you're just not getting enough and definitely not enough variety. Instead of focusing on things like numbers, just incorporate more plants into your diet as much as you possibly can and as much variety as you possibly can. Dr. Grieger is an author of a book called How Not to Die, which is actually I feel like should be a required reading. Um, But he puts it in a simple perspective that your plate should be mostly plants. With protein, carbs, and dairy as embellishments. Um, Maybe you are not among the majority of Americans and their dietary habits, and that's great. Continue doing what you're doing. However, part of my job as a wellness coach is to help spread awareness and information around such topics so that people can, in fact, make changes. If the idea of eating mostly plants doesn't sound the least bit appealing, I I totally get it. As a society, we have been raised into thinking that so much meat, processed foods, fast foods, added sugars and sodium is the norm and it has actually altered our taste buds to the point that that is what we crave. Eating healthier does take an adjustment period but your taste buds do change. And when you start feeding your body the proper nutrients it actually desires, your body begins to crave those foods. Again, it's not about eliminating the foods that you love entirely, but if they are unhealthy, try making them the occasional treat instead of the everyday occurrence. I personally find it a bit frightening how many people don't recognize the connection between what they are eating on a daily basis and the discomfort and disease they feel in their bodies. Low energy, poor sleep, insomnia, depression, anxiety, and things of those sort might be common in our society, but they are definitely not normal. The same goes for most chronic illnesses and autoimmune disorders. We are often told that genetics are at fault, but recently studies have shown that diet, lifestyle, and environmental factors are actually what control your genetic expression or your genes, which is an entire field of study called epigenetics that I'm sure we will cover on a future episode. I find it in particular very fascinating. However, on our next episode, we will look more in depth at what I consider to be the modern plague overconsumptive undernutrition. Essentially, the idea that what we are eating is too much of the wrong foods and how you can improve that. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please show your support by liking and subscribing. You can find me on YouTube. Facebook and Instagram as Namaste Carly. The podcast is currently playing on Spotify and making its way onto Apple as well. So until next time, Namaste.